We are on Chagiga Chavdalad Amabez 24b1 in the Artsul Gemara on the second column. This will be our concluding recording of the whole list of the 11 cases in which we are more stringent when it comes to the laws of Kodesh, of Kadshim, of food that's used in the base of Migdash, when it comes to Tumah Vitahara, laws of purity and impurity. And we were in the middle of one of the cases, which was the idea that both hands, one hand could make the other hand Tameh, even though impure, even though that is not the case. If one hand touches something and makes that hand impure, a rabbinic decree, it can only be on a rabbinic level, a rabbinic decree that that hand becomes impure. When it comes to Kachim, it has the ability to make the other hand also impure. That was the case in the Mishnah. That does not apply anywhere else. It wouldn't make the other hand impure. And that's what we discussed in the last recording. The Gemara now has a short discussion about to what level does that second hand then become Tameh, meaning as follows. Could that second hand, then when it touches Kachim, it certainly makes the Kachim impure, it makes it Tameh, but it does then give the ability for that Kachim, for that food, to make other food, make other kachim food also impure? Or does it just stop there? Whatever food it touches becomes impure, and then it can no longer make anything else impure. That food can't make anything else impure. I think what it says is going to try to explain how that is a dispute, that is a machlokes amongst the Tanaim, amongst the uh, sages from the times of the Mishnah. And they're going to suggest one Mishnah and reject it and then present a to support this idea that it is a subject of, it is a, it is a dispute. It's a matter of a dispute. So the Gemara says, The idea that the second hand could make Kodesh unfit and make it impure, but it can't make something else, other food, impure. That itself is a machlokas tanaim. That's a dispute amongst the tanaim, amongst the sages from the times of the Mishnah, the tanan. They first want to bring it from the, prove it from the following Mishnah. It's going to reject it, but they want to prove it from the following Mishnah. That um, we could, that there's this concept of uh, making the hands impure on a rabbinic level, and there's an idea that when it comes to kachim, you can make the other hand also impure. Divrei Rabbi Shua, that's what Rabbi Shua says. Basically, the, the 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 simple law that we've understood from the Mishnah, from our Mishnah, that you can make the second hand also tame, also impure. The Chachamim Omrim, however, the Chachamim say. Yadaim shniosain, hands are shnios. They are a second degree. Ve'ain sheni osasheni, and one hand cannot make the other hand impure. Basically, the Chacham say that one hand cannot make the other hand impure, even seemingly when it comes to, uh, even when it comes to kachim. So there seems to be a dispute here, and they want to understand what is the opinion of the Chachamim, because we never had such an opinion that says that even when it comes to Kachim, you cannot make the second hand impure. So what is the, sec- what is the Chachamim, the second opinion, what do they hold? My love, Shani Hudelah Hashlishi Avid. Doesn't it mean that it can't make the second hand a Shani? It can't make the second hand a Shani, a second degree, but it can make it a third degree, meaning as follows. The second opinion holds that the second hand becomes a third degree, which gives it the ability to make the Kodesh a fourth degree. The Kodesh, whatever food it touches, that's Kodesh, will be a fourth degree. And then that can't make anything else impure because it stops by a fourth degree. But the implication is that the first opinion is of the opinion that no, that it could make it into a 
make the hand into a second degree, which makes the Kodesh into a third degree, which then makes, it could touch other Kodeshim, other food to make it into a fourth degree. So the Gemara seems to suggest here that the dispute is about whether or not the hand becomes a Shani, second degree to then make the Kodeshim food into a third degree, and then the next one into a fourth degree, or the Chachamim hold that no, the hand, the second hand, becomes, if it's viewed as a third degree, Tumma, and then it can only make the next step, it can, it can make the Kachim impure, but it can't go beyond that, because the Kachim becomes fourth degree, and every, the buck stops by the fourth degree. So that's what the Gemara suggests. The Gemara says, no, maybe the second opinion has a totally different opinion. Maybe the second opinion is an opinion that we haven't heard of before, but the second opinion doesn't even hold of this whole stringency when it comes to Kachim. It cannot make the second hand impure. It can never make uh, the second hand impure, which the Gemara, the Gemara uh, did not, uh, we haven't found this opinion uh, before, but maybe that's the opinion of the Chacham, and Rabbi Yeshua is just coming to say nothing about whether it can make uh, uh, the Kachim, give it the ability to make other food, other Kachim food impure. That's not what the discussion is about. It's just the dispute as to whether we have this stringency when it comes to Kachim, Chacham holds that we don't have this stringency. Rabbi Yeshua holds that we do have this stringency, but it has nothing to do with what we're trying to prove, which is whether or not the second hand can make Kachim impure to the degree where it can make something else impure. So the proof cannot be from that Mishnah. But rather it's from the following Machlokas, the following dispute, which is found in a Brisa. Moving on to 24b2, this Brisa says as follows. The Tanya, the Brisa says, this is a Brisa that we quoted in the previous Recording. Rebbe's of the opinion. We discussed it in, in the previous recording with regards to the dry hand. But the main point here is that you can make the other hand impure, the second hand impure. Rebbe says, in order to make Kachim impure, but not Truma. But it says, and Latame is a language of it can make the kajim impure, the food impure, to then also make something else impure. So the first opinion, Rebbe, says that the second hand could also make kajim impure to the degree where it can make other food impure. The food itself can make other food impure. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudu Omer, Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudu says, no, Osayad The second hand could only make the kajim impure, but it cannot give the, that food the ability to make other food, other kajim food Impure, and that seems to be a clear machlokas, a clear dispute uh, between Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Huda about uh, making the the kachim. Does the kachim have the ability to make other food impure once it becomes impure from the second hand? Okay, that concludes our discussion about the stringency to make the second hand also impure with regards to kachim. We'll move on to the next case. So there's a few more, two more cases that the Gemara will discuss very briefly. So the next case is Oakland, Oakland, Neguvim, Beadaim, Mesuavos. That when it comes to Truma, you're allowed to eat dry foods. Again, dry food, if it's food, if it's produce, uh, it, the only way it can become impure is even have the ability to become impure is if it, if it uh, touches something wet. If it has to touch something wet after it's detached, now it gives it the ability to be susceptible to impurity. Now, the Mishnah seems to be saying that only applies to truma or just to regular food, but when it comes to kachim, even if it doesn't t- touch something which is wet, it automatically becomes susceptible, susceptible to tuma. and if you have hands which are already tame, which are already impure, so then it'll make the kachim food impure, 
even though it never really touched anything wet, uh, uh, it seems to be that it's different than uh, regular food. So the Gemara says that that difference should be obvious. Tanya was taught in a b'risa, Amr Rabbi Chanina ben Antigonus, v'chiyesh neguva l'kodesh, v'alochibaz ha-kodesh, machshirasan. That when it comes to Kodesh, Kachim have different rules because if it's Chibas Kodesh, if it's connected to Kachim, if there's a, uh, some sort of a, a connection to Kachim, we say there's already a, a principle that even if it's dry, it will already be susceptible to Tama. That there's already a concept that it will be susceptible to Tama, to impurity, even without becoming wet. So we don't know, need the Mishnah to teach us that law. So really the Mishnah must be teaching us something else. What is the Mishnah teaching us? For the following case, the Mishnah is teaching us the following case. Let's say your hands are contaminated so it, can't, it cannot touch kachim. It cannot touch kachim uh, at all because your hands are impure. So what happens? Somebody else either feeds you or you stick it onto a toothpick or a stick and that cannot become impure. That is something which cannot become impure and so that's how you stick it into your mouth. End of the day, the point is that kachim went into your mouth without your hands, so it did not become impure. But what happens next? And then you want to eat regular food uh, with like a regular radish or onion together with the kachim, together with, eat it in one bite together with the kachim, and you're going to put it in your mouth with your hands. And now your hands, your hands do not make regular food impure. So it doesn't make regular food impure, but you're going to stick it into your mouth at the same time that you have the kachim in your mouth. So the concern is that your hand will touch the kachim that's already in your mouth. As you're putting the regular food in your mouth, which cannot become contaminated, it cannot become impure, you're going to put it into your mouth, but your hand might then go ahead and touch the kachim which is already in your mouth. And that's the concern. So we say that we're concerned that you cannot put your put and food, regular food, into your mouth at the same time that you have kachim going into, that you're already eating kachim and that's already in your mouth. That we made such a decree when it comes to kachim. But they didn't make such a decree. If you had truma in your mouth already, it somehow got into your mouth without touching it with your hands. Somebody else put it into your mouth or, or with the toothpick, whatever the case is. But then you go ahead and you want to put other food into your mouth and your hands are already impure. So with regards to truma, we're not concerned that you're going to end up touching the truma which is already in your mouth. When it comes to kachim, in extra stringency where we say we will be concerned Okay, finally, the last case. Till we get to the next Mishnah. The law is that when it comes to an Onain or Mechus Kippurim, these are people, an Onain is somebody who um, is uh, a close relative passed away, but it's before the funeral. You have the status of an Onain, and we'll see how, what the ramifications are with regards to, to uh, Truma and Kachim. But that's the person, an Onain. And somebody who's mechus or kipurim, somebody who they went to the mikvah, it's already past nightfall. The next day, for certain impurities, they then have to bring a korban. They have to bring a sacrifice. So in those two cases, we require you to go to the mikvah again in order to eat kachim. After you bring the korban, you have to go to the mikvah again. And after the funeral, you have to bring a, uh, go to the mikvah again in order to eat kachim. Why? What's the reason for this? What's the idea behind this? So the Gemara asks this question. My time, what's the reason behind this? So the Gemara answers, When it comes to the Onain, when it comes to somebody who's an Onain, somebody who's waiting for uh, the actual burial, the law is that they're allowed to eat truma. You're allowed to eat truma during that time period. However, you are not allowed to eat kachim. 
You're not allowed to eat kachim, even if you didn't touch the, the dead body. Nothing to do with impurity, but you're not allowed to eat kachim during that time period. It's just uh, it's a very sad state. And so therefore, you're not allowed to eat kachim. Because you're not allowed to eat kachim, so just as a reminder that when you, after you get out of it that you're allowed to eat kachim, we tell you to go to the mikvah. You have to go to the mikvah before you have kachim. Because you were not allowed to have kachim as an onain, as somebody who's in the status before, after, after the death, before the burial. So therefore, when you, after the burial, in order, whenever you want to have kachim next, you would have to go to the mikvah. But during that time period there, that you are an onin, you're allowed to eat truma. It's permissible to eat truma, so therefore you don't have to go to the mikvah in order to eat truma. The same thing is true with the Kartsa Mechos or Kippurim. You went to the mikvah. You were impure. You went to the mikvah. It was nightfall. You're allowed to have truma. However, you're not allowed to have kachim yet. You're not allowed to have kachim until you bring the korban. In certain cases, until you bring the korban the next day, you have to bring a sacrifice the next day. So after you bring that sacrifice... You then you still can't eat kachim yet until you go to the mikvah because there was a time period where you were allowed to eat everything else. You're allowed to eat truma, but you weren't allowed to eat kachim. We say that after you bring that sacrifice, that completes the purity process. We tell you to go to the mikvah again until, uh, in order to eat kachim again. Uh, that applies both to an onain to somebody who's after the death, before the burial of a close relative, and mechusar kippurim, somebody who went to the mikvah. It's then hits nightfall. You're allowed to eat truma at that point in time. You still can't eat kachim. You're not allowed to partake of the food in the base of Mikdash. And you have to wait until you bring a sacrifice for the next day. And then also you have to go to the mikvah again. That concludes our whole discussion with regards to the 11 cases. We still have a little bit left on the page. But that's the next Mishnah, which is going to be connected to next week's recording. So hopefully, uh, either during the weekend or the beginning of next week, we will have a recording on the Mishnah.